Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Evil Man. I'm Chris, and it is day 9,583 of the COVID-19 pandemic, but I think it will be over soon. (laughs) Chris, I love your optimistic outlook on life. I am a guy who kind of looks at the glass as being half empty or, or maybe even stolen. And um, I'm filing a, a police report saying, uh, if anyone's seen my glass, please return it. Uh, I will pay a hefty reward and I feel that the criminals should be prosecuted to the full extent of the law. You know what? I'm I'm James also. I'm the third person. And you know, Mike, I often forget that that saying you either see the glass, it, that the saying is actually you either see the glass half full half empty, or you're worried that it's been stolen and you call the police and then all the other stuff you said. Yeah, a lot of people forget that is one (laughs) of the options uh, regarding uh, glasses. Uh, Also, people forget that seeing that the glass is half full even is still pretty positive because that means the glass is there and you still have something to drink. Absolutely. Some more of that optimism that I mentioned right off the top. Welcome back to Evil Men, guys. We're the most optimistic podcast on the fucking planet. <laughs> we, uh, now, uh, we could clue the listeners in that we're actually all in a terrible mood right now. because yes. I'm really hungover, and we keep trying to record on Zencaster, and it either fucks up some way for each one of us all the fucking time. And Zencaster, I have PTSD from the name of that shit. Screw if off. This, so- if this is Zen... I'd love to give the Buddha a knuckle sandwich. You know what I mean? Because I am ready to have a heart attack. I'm so mad. I'm so frustrated with tech. Yeah, we've been trying to record this episode for almost an hour and a half. And we actually recorded about 15 minutes of this episode on Zencaster. Amazing content. Amazing intro. Done. It's ruined. What are people in Silicon Valley doing? Everything they invent sucks shit. Silicon Valley, all these people being like, my app is going to explode on contact. Uh, I don't know. Um, if, if you, you've done the San Francisco sketch fest, right, Chris? Yeah, I saw. I, yeah. yeah. Is that where Google and Facebook, they poach a lot of talent from the sketch fest? They get a lot of the best minds. <laughs> <laughs> well, Creative I there- people. I was there a few years ago, and San Francisco was really cool. But yeah. the people there, it seemed to me, were very like, the city's fucked now and ruined because it's all the tech people and they're rich and everything's... Ex- yeah. Like, you think Toronto's expensive. I think it's like way more expensive there. Um, so they're they're messing up San Fran. Yeah, there's like... I went enough years difference that I... The first time I went in 2012, it still had kind of like... The hip stuff, you know, in the areas where it's like, you know, real artsy and stuff. And uh, and then I went a few years later and a lot of fancy restaurants, kind of like what happened to Queen West in Toronto. Mm-hmm. Queen West and Ossington, it just basically is all like that now. Uh, but when I was in San Francisco, I got a nice taxi driver and he <laughs> went out of his way to drive me past the house from the opening credits of Full House. Oh, wow. Mm, Which are famous there. So many great things happened in San Francisco. 
you've got Vertigo. Vertigo is set in San Francisco, oh, and I think yeah. The Birds. And then mm-hmm. nothing happened for a long time until Full House. <laughs> <laughs> Mike, now you know both of you guys. I think you guys have a uh, you know amazing taste. But I Thank wonder, you. like young Mike Balazzo, Mike when he was twelve, reminds me of young you watching, Sheldon. Were you watching Full House? Were you watching Family Matters? Were you watching Step by Step? Yes, I watched the complete ABC TGIF lineup on Friday <laughs> nights. That was ABC, right? Full House, uh, yes. Perfect Strangers, maybe The Nanny. Ooh, no, that was a, that wasn't part of TGIF. Ah, fuck. That was a real adult sitcom. I'll issue a complete uh, apology. <laughs> To all the listeners. Uh, yeah, I love TGIF. I, I watched all the, the same shows that you did, James, and I know you might find that hard to believe. <laughs> we were a big ALF family as well. My dad especially loved ALF, and he uh, he thought ALF was so funny. Really? And then years later, I remember when, when Seinfeld was the biggest sitcom in the world, my dad told us that he didn't like Seinfeld because he didn't find... The idea that George Costanza, someone who looked like George Costanza, he didn't think in reality would be able to have so many beautiful girlfriends. He thought it was unrealistic. <laughs> but what he didn't think was unrealistic was a sitcom about a, a borscht belt furry alien who landed in a family's backyard and was trying to eat their cat. <laughs> <laughs> That's so funny. Hey, oh, Willie, Seinfeld's not believable. <laughs> uh, that's funny. Yo, Willie, I want to eat so many cats. <laughs> Chris, you had an observation about Alf earlier with the idea of him sort of uh, lusting after cats. Yeah, we were talking about the majesticness of King uh, Doug Ford, who shines majestically as the Lord of Ontario. Mm-hmm. And then we started talking about the Ford family. And how they probably think of themselves as the Kennedys. And you said, yeah, they do, right? They have actually, like, I believe have said themselves, like, we're like the Kennedys of, of Canada. And I have pointed out that unlo- unlike the Kennedys, uh, a lot of them haven't been assassinated or died under mysterious circumstances. So they're a little yeah. bit different in that way. Yeah. I remember um, a con- hearing <laughs> overhearing my dad arguing with someone that, my my dad's friend was making fun of the Kennedys and my dad got annoyed and said that's anti-Irish bias. <laughs> um, but we were saying that, um, right, because we, we were talking about when uh, when good old Rob Ford made the comment where he, he, he said, you know, uh, that he he didn't claim he was going to eat someone's pee or... Not pee. Yeah. Pussy, if you will. Yeah. And we were talking about how funny that was. And then I don't know how we got to the fact that Alf always says... Well, because we were trying to be polite, so mm. we were saying Rob Ford was talking about... He didn't ask the girl if he could eat her cat, because he's got yeah. more than enough to eat at home. Right. Boom, mic drop. Then he goes back into his uh, yeah. office, like you pointed out, James wearing a huge Argos jersey. <laughs> <laughs> and then slams down a chalupa and throws Taco Bell hot sauce packets all over the floor. But the thing is, is that I had a revelation, like... What if Alf was saying, I want to eat cats all the time, but that's actually what he meant? Well, you know what? There might be something to that, because weren't there those rumors on TMZ that Alf and Michael Douglas were hanging out a lot and sharing tips? Yeah. Well, yeah, Alf got tongue cancer. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> he got it from Michael 
Douglas, who got it from Catherine Zeta-Jones. So it was sort of like a human centipede type thing where Michael mm. Douglas was giving his wife oral sex and Alf was eating out Michael Douglas's ass. <laughs> it was like a human centipede of pleasure. Yeah. Now, new listeners might think, based on what you've heard so far, that this is a down and dirty, nasty, as we want to be podcast. The truth is is that we're very high-minded guys who like to talk about it's low true. subjects, I think is fair to and, say. And Chris raised a great point, because prior to recording, I was like, oh, maybe we're getting too esoteric. And then yeah. you guys both brought up that we talk about... Poo and uh, every episode. So I, I say dinky every episode. Yeah. Yes. yes. But I will say to the listeners, we, we fucked up 10, 15 minutes of trying to record on Zencaster, and that's why I'll be bitter this whole episode. I'm also pretty hungover. And, but we, James said, let's keep it light and not in, in some of the esoteric <laughs> topics. And I forgot about that and instantly brought up a Blaise Pascal quote I just read. But I'm not, uh, I'm an idiot. I just find books and pick them up. That's you're not all. an I'm, idiot. Well, I'm just saying I don't walk around highfalutin. No, I you know. know. And I didn't mean anything by that comment, really. I just... Chris, how did you celebrate your Friday night if you're feeling a little worse for wear today? <laughs> well, uh, I found a good coping, coping mechanism for dealing with the everlasting COVID-19 pandemic, especially here in Ontario. And what that is, is as soon as the kids go to sleep, I take a weed gummy and then drink alcohol uh, <laughs> until I'm drunk. And uh, yeah, sometimes I drink too much and it got uh, away from me last night. Yeah, One oh, bourbon, man. one scotch, one beer. Get to bed, kids! <laughs> <laughs> I want bourbon, that? I want scotch. Oh, hold on a sec. I said, get to bed. Yeah. <laughs> One beer. Get to bed. <laughs> yeah, George Thorogood should. Uh, George Thorogood should uh, re-record that for fellas like me. Yeah. <laughs> uh, a warm scotch, a warm <laughs> bourbon. Uh, uh, what did we just talk about? <laughs> <laughs> you should be in bed, shouldn't you? <laughs> a warm beer. Is that what you say when your daughters come out and they're supposed to be in bed? It's like, what did we just talk about? They go, I'm scared. And I'm like, chugging a beer. And I'm like, uh, you have nothing to be afraid of. <laughs> <laughs> what are you scared of, a monster? What are you scared of, a monster? Fucking stupid. <laughs> no, I'm not like a drunk drunk. I just like, and I don't. I'm not like, hurry up, kids, get to sleep. I need, daddy needs his gin and soda. <laughs> but dad, it's only 2 p.m. <laughs> Go to bed. Yeah, yeah. Um, um, no, it's hard no, it's not like, to drink too much in this time. What else are you going to do? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And to be honest, uh, yeah, you guys know what the fuck I'm talking about. Don't just leave sure me do. hanging out here. Sure do. I just have the kids, so it's a little bit harder because you got to be moderate as best as possible. <laughs> Because they wake up at seven and stuff, you know, but yeah, so I, I'm just talking about a couple casual drinks, not a big deal. I feel like when I have kids, I'm going to try to teach them to make breakfast really young because I feel like that's a good move if they can make their own breakfast and then you can sleep later. Oh, I thought you meant you were going to train them to like bring you a big breakfast every morning as <laughs> hey, your little service. Worst idea. Well, James yeah, Jr. my daughter, my oldest daughter. 
she's she's five, almost six now. But when she was before she was even potty trained, she was making sausages and eggs in the frying pan. <laughs> <laughs> Just with the overflowing what? diaper. <laughs> yeah. A diaper full of shit just flipping eggs with a spatula. And you walk into the kitchen. What smells good and bad? Mmm. <laughs> cook just the way I like them. Mmm. <laughs> breakfast and poo. <laughs> That'd be so funny. You know, like in Apocalypse Now, the iconic moment where Robert Duvall is like, I love the smell of napalm in the morning. It'd be funny if he also had a shitty diaper on when he said that. <laughs> like his character's just wearing a diaper full of shit and a cowboy hat. Oh, is that too so sit Ah, forget it. No, no, no I'm, I'm sorry I made the comment. I no, take it's it okay. Back. I'm, I'm I truly do. Um, I truly you know do. me. I just fixate on things forever because I'm always trying to discern if someone's trying to hurt my feelings or not. And you know what? I am a bit sensitive and I'll use mm. this episode to tell you guys the exact story of why I think that is, I traced it back in my memories. Do you want to know why? Sure. Absolutely. Yeah. Because, yeah, I mean, even aside from this podcast, you guys as close friends of mine probably noticed, like, eh, sometimes Chris may be sensitive. He thinks we're being mean or something. Here it is. In grade three, my family and I went on a vacation to uh, Jamaica. And then when I came for March break, and then when I came home, I was really lucky to go to Jamaica, you know, in grade three. Grade three, grade three is when you really got to go to Jamaica, too. <laughs> By just the like, way. Just like Bob you, Marley sang. <laughs> Don't yeah. let them fool ya. Fool uh, <laughs> ya. Come to Jamaica in third grade. <laughs> Buffalo soldier. <laughs> Little grade three b- soldier. <laughs> I don't know. This that sucks. So, but anyways, <laughs> when I came back from Jamaica, I know we could go on forever. I really want to. But when I came back from Jamaica, for some reason, my three best friends at the time in my grade three class uh, decided not to like me. They totally sold me out. Wait. And they, so after they, you came back from Jamaica, they had changed. This is fully true, and I'm saying Whoa. this to you guys for the for the benefit of the podcast, so the listeners can hear this crazy story of me in third grade, and also for you, Mike and James, as my friends, as a little insight as to why I might get my backup sometimes, thinking someone's being mean to me or someone's making fun of me because I got fucking uh, hung out to dry in grade three. My Damn. three best friends all conspired. Did they give a reason? They said... (laughs) (laughs) Were you talking in Patois too much? And they were like, Chris has changed. (laughs) You've changed as you came back from Jamaica, man. He wants Uh, us to call him Chris Ranks. (laughs) (laughs) Well, they were like, Chris, welcome back. And I went, (laughs) (laughs) Can I do that? That's literally from a Shava Rank song or something. It's from a Shava Rank song. Yeah. No, I brought Chabber Hanks back with me and brought him brought him around <laughs> school as my new friend. No, uh, uh, I don't. They okay. They said I was too rough when when we were playing outside at recess. I guess like I'd get excited and I'd like punch them in the arm or something. Oh, but I think it was an excuse. I think it was boys just like I was not around for March break, so they were they just like used me to pick on and then. Then that was it. They 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 blockaded me out of the friend group from there on in. But here's a positive of that story. So I think maybe I was as a kid traumatized by that 
in the sense where I was like, shit, you can't fucking trust friends, eh? Uh, (laughs) (laughs) No offense, guys. I trust you. Oh, none taken, none taken. I mean, you know, we've been friends for pretty much 20 years at this point. I think I trust you guys. But the thing is, is uh, these girls in my class that were really cool, uh, they were always like, they thought I was cute. So they, they would always prove that they're my friends. And then those three guys that were my close friends that were never my f- friends anymore and made a big deal of it, they went on later in life to become like nerds and losers. <laughs> <laughs> and I was always cool <laughs> and I had like girlfriends and I just got new friends. I just moved on and got new friends. Wow. Yeah. So may that be a lesson to all boys in friend groups who are listening. If you turn your back on a friend just because he goes to Jamaica... Your life is about to go down the tubes. <laughs> but psychologically speaking, can't you guys sort of see that aspect about me in a way? Or do you not want to be put on the spot like that? Now that you bring it up, I can, I guess I can, <laughs> I can sort of, I can, I can see where you're coming from. I can see why you'd say that. I'm a sensitive fellow. Yeah, that's, you know what though? It's, uh, everybody's got something. Yeah. I do too. I mean, we all do. Yeah. Um, yeah. Was, but you know what? You yeah. uh, even if you um, take offense to something, you you sort of are very upfront with it very immediately, and it's instantly diffused because you know it's you're you know it's not, you're not you're not a big grudge holder. Communication is key. That's what I've always thought. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah and, I, I I'm not the type of person to let things fester. It drives me nuts. What about you? Mike, well, we don't I'm, have to get into it. <laughs> no, no, do I let things faster? I think I'm, I think I'm, I think I'm, I would try to be direct, but I don't know. Maybe people would say the opposite. There's certain things I'm incredibly passive about. Um, That's the thing. Know. Maybe with me being so open and communicative, for example, what's happening now on the podcast is I put other friends into uncomfortable <laughs> positions without me thinking respecting how they might feel about stuff like that so never mind forget it mike you have a stand-up joke about how uh your or is it your family or people (laughs) of your background are big grudge holders uh yes so on both sides i guess there's the irish side which you would know about oh yeah irish grudges and also the eastern (laughs) european side i have relatives who held grudges over very insignificant (laughs) things for 50 years and probably that grudge and that unreleased bitterness probably took a decade off their lives (laughs) but but the question is do you want to ever deal with things or would you rather keep it all bottled inside and that's a very you know tough decision to make it is tough each generation probably you know gets a little bit easier (laughs) with that kind of stuff right mike I think so. Yeah. No, I'll definitely. I've definitely taken a decade off my life with grudges and uh, and uh, misunderstandings and things like that. But um, hey, that's just that's just my part of my journey. <laughs> I've taken a decade off of my life just from liking snacks. <laughs> I'm trying to think of the the dumbest grudges I can remember. I my grandmother didn't speak to her. Two sisters for a while because they had a, a argument over all buying matching wigs, and my grandmother didn't want to get 
the same wig as her sisters, <laughs> and so they bought the wigs, and she did buy it. Um, yeah, that's that pretty good. Thing. That's yeah. a good one. Mm-hmm. The wig grudge. The wig grudge. And this might be completely wrong, but in my experience, old ladies uh, seem to be the Michael Jordans of of grudge holding. Um, you hear a lot of stories, anyway. You mean that they yeah, they always hold a grudge with their huge tongue hanging out of their mouth. <laughs> <laughs> and they always appeared in the original Space Jam. <laughs> Grandmothers. Oh man, oh, man. Mm. LeBron just had to make a remake of Space Jam just to do it, eh? <laughs> That's so. Oh, can I ask? Cheesy. So in, uh, I we called my grandmother. Either grandma or the other one was known as granny. What did you guys call your grandmothers? Because it's always fun and funny to hear the the words that people use for their grandparents. Well, um, you know, I called my grandma Nona. Um, no, just kidding. <laughs> I uh, I was a the grandma Irish guy, Nona, and I I never had a, a grandfather alive, but in my family me. they call grandfathers granddad. Okay little twist chris yeah we called our grandfathers uh uh we missed the boat on you because they both died <laughs> yeah what about you chris uh, my grandmothers we we've affectionately called them um tipu and Beboon. <laughs> oh where's that from and what part uh, of your culture some cute is that european from? island <laughs> <laughs> tipu Beboon. <laughs> Stop fucking calling me that. I'm grandma. <laughs> I'm grandma, you little shit. Get this straight. Fuck face. I'm grandma. You know, Paul McCartney has a series of books about a character named Grand Dude, which is, oh, I think, loosely man. based on him because he's he is a grandfather, probably a great grandfather at this point. But he has a character called Grand Dude, who's a rockin', a rockin' cool grandfather. Are you being honest right now? Yes, he has a few oh. Grand Dude books, yeah. That seems very lame. Did, did you see he had some kind mm-hmm. of like, um, <laughs> he did like a a Snapchat video yes. on the internet and he was <laughs> yes. doing a character? He played the members of a Swedish folk band or something? I yes. didn't understand what was going on, but Paul McCartney was doing like the face manipulation app thing and he was, yeah, he had like pigtails. Yes. Oh, it was very <clears throat> bizarre. Reminded me of the kind of thing that... Uh, Guillermo del Toro would make. You know what I mean? Yeah. Have you guys oh, seen Guillermo del Toro's new film Nightmare Alley? Is that out yet? I haven't seen it. No, I I want I mean, I want to see it. I went to he had at the AGO, there was a Guillermo del Toro exhibit. It was cool. Whoa. Yikes. Well, he loves Toronto. That's right. He loves Hamilton too, I've heard him say. I filmed a, an episode of a TV show once. I, I got killed by a monster, and when I'm getting killed, I had to scream and my head off, and then I get, like, you know, eaten. Really? And uh, Guillermo del Toro wasn't directing, but he showed up on set, and uh, he said, you die nice, and he shook my hand. <laughs> Are you being, really? I'm t- being totally honest, but well, I what think... What show was that? It was called, uh, they filmed it here. Do you remember? It, uh... It was called, uh, but I think I got my. I think my scene actually got cut. Oh, too uh, bad. Oh no. Yeah, I you know. don't remember the name of the show, huh? The Strain. Do you guys remember the Strain? 
I've never seen that show. The Strain, if anyone, The Strain was oh, the from strain. the Strain. Oh, that's cool, Chris. But that's I'm pretty good. sure my scene was cut out of that episode. I, I've looked for it and I can't find it. Wow. I, but it was I a pu- fun time. And the guy who was directing that episode directed uh, Pretty in Pink and Uncle Buck. Oh, Damn, wow. that's pretty cool, Chris. Or The Great Outdoors. I forget. I'm getting mixed up. Sorry, Mike. You know, speaking of uh, Guillermo del Toro, <clears throat> a couple years ago, I played this video game. Yeah. by Hideo Kojima, who's like this sort of auteur of video games. And he's like, you know, makes these crazy games. He's really like, you can't tell if they're bad or amazing. Like, they're really weird. <clears throat> and in one of his games called Death Stranding, Guillermo del Toro is a character in it, playing, like he acts in it, basically playing someone. And there's a scene in it where you get in the shower with him. Uh, Come again? What? Yeah. Well, because you're trying, like, your room is bugged. Do you and have you to are, bathe Guillermo del Toro? Your character is the actor Norman Reedus. Oh, oh yeah, so, from Walking Dead. Yeah, so you and Guillermo del Toro get into a running shower and conspire Weird. with each other. Do you get Naked? points for, like, uh, for scrubbing him or for <laughs> shampooing his hair? <laughs> yeah, it's like, you know, you press the triangle button to scrub him, uh, the circle button to... You know what would be funny? <clears throat> if there was an Oculus game... Mm-hmm. You know, where you go, like, your character wakes up and has to go take a shower before going on a mission or something. Yeah. But you go into the shower and look down at your um, video game dick, and then you just start jacking up, and then you never do the mission, and that's the only way you play the game, is you just, your character never makes it past the shower. <laughs> You just go back to bed after. (laughs) The game's like trying everything to stop you from going back to bed and going back to the shower again. Your CIA uh, contact keeps calling you. You've got to complete the mission. You never do every day. Yeah. Okay, another hostage has just been killed and you're just jacking off in the shower. Uh, Yeah, like the news outside of your... Of your uh, bathroom just keeps going on, like hostages keep getting assassinated <laughs> or taken out. Yeah, and there's like a like, knock at the door saying, "Like Chris, are you in there? Are you in there?" And you have to sort of hide under the window, but continue uh, quietly to masturbate. <laughs> <laughs> um, did we just design a really hot video game? Let's go to mm-hmm. Silicon Valley and tell them. Absolutely, sure. Imagine in 2023, the hottest game ever was called Jerk Off Guy. <laughs> and the cover is like a C- like it looks like Solid Snake in Metal Gear holding a gun and like covered in mud, but it has nothing to do with the actual game. Yeah, it looks like a Call of Duty game type of yeah. thing. Or, yeah. And there's like so much preamble to the mission and the stakes. <laughs> yeah. At the yeah, end of World War II, the Cold War began, and it gives you a whole history lesson about you know, <laughs> geopolitics. <laughs> the history books, but Mike, you're a huge fan of like revolutions and wars and Cold Wars and stuff. <laughs> the history books never take a moment to just talk about when the guys would excuse themselves to go jack off. <laughs> I think Winston Churchill had a special chamber in his underground <laughs> war uh, room uh, that he he could have a cigar, he could have a drink, and he could have a jerk. And uh, you know his his staff knew when to leave him alone to do that. I gotta let off some steam. <laughs> yeah. 
Beep, beep. <laughs> well, folks, um, before we get to the topic today, uh, we should mention that we have a Patreon account. You can find it at patreon.com slash evilmen. And if you sign up there, you get at least two bonus episodes per month. And uh, thank you so much to everybody who is, has signed up for that. We appreciate it a lot. And if you can't afford to do it or don't want to, maybe you could rate us and review us on iTunes. That would be really helpful. We would love it if you did that. Thank you so much. Alf, stay away from my pussy. <laughs> <laughs> Um, oh boy well that was a little joke about alf and willie but we have a much more serious matter to tend to this week right now don't we and james i believe you selected a nasty person to talk about this week who is it and why i did and you know this guy is he you know outright evil well Maybe not, but he's certainly a, a guy that uh, he's somewhere on the evil scale. And I'm talking about actor, musician, martial artist, Steven Seagal. That is our topic today. Mm. What made you want to choose Steven Seagal? I've always been drawn to his um, persona, his attitude, his beliefs. No, mm-hmm. I just always thought he's very funny. You know, I, and I love watching his movies in a ironic way. <laughs> what is the last one you watched? Because I believe he does, uh, shockingly, still release quite a few movies that are, you know, direct to video or streaming only, unfortunately. Yeah. For watched, the time being. I watched Exit Wounds with uh, DMX and him not too long ago, and okay. it's very good. <clears throat> yeah, right. he must have set up a deal... About 20 years ago, because he wasn't really hot after the 90s. Mm-hmm. Basically, after the mid-90s, maybe. Yep. He must have set up some sort of distribution deal where he makes cheap, independent action films, and as soon as they're complete, they get turned into a DVD and they fall through the ceiling into a cardboard box that is sitting in corner stores <laughs> around the city. <laughs> Because they like, yeah. yeah, like you've never heard of them and you only see them next to chips at a corner <laughs> store. That's true. Yeah. Um, well, why don't I tell you a little bit about Steven and his life? <clears throat> yeah, because you have to also, I want to say, putting you to task, you have to justify why you think he's evil too. Well, that's one way to think of it. I mean, I view it as I'm just presenting the information and it's up to us to choose. So okay, okay. I'm taking away that responsibility from myself. Ladies and gentlemen of the jury, etc. That kind yeah, of exactly. thing. Exactly. Right? I'm I'm just an impartial, you know, information giver. Well here, yeah. let let's start the, the journey about Steven Seagal. All right. Um he was born in Lansing, Michigan in nineteen fifty two. How about that? Interesting. Mm-hmm. Fifty two. I know. <clears throat> so what does that make him? Seventy? Damn. Yeah, he's like 69, 70. Yeah. Oh, 69. Okay, so he was described uh, as a puny kid with asthma, basically a nerd. But eventually, his family moved to California, and he got into martial arts. Um, and now this was interesting. According to Wikipedia, in California, he met a friendly old Japanese man at a dojo who convinced him to move to Japan. 
That sounds like the or the real life story of Karate Kid without yes. being encouraged to, to leave the country. Yes, it's true. Yeah. I found it very weird that in Wikipedia it literally said he met a friendly old Japanese man. <laughs> There's no more info than that. <laughs> if, you, if you had been a kid and met an older person who was like, you got to get out of this country, <laughs> wouldn't your parents have been like... Uh, let's look into this. Let's see what's, what's going on here. Yeah. <laughs> Who wrote his uh, bio on Wikipedia? Joseph Campbell. <laughs> then our hero happened along a kindly old Japanese man, full of wisdom. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, yeah, so that's cool. That's the, yeah. He met a kind man. Yeah, he met a kind old man. And uh, <laughs> yeah. Stephen listened to the guy. Stephen actually listened to the old bastard. What you're saying? <laughs> actually makes tons of sense for me. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, Stephen moved to Japan. You know, he decided nice. he was going to further his martial arts career there. Mm-hmm. Um, right. And he was good, believe it or not. Uh, nice. When he was in Japan, he met a woman who was a second degree black belt and the daughter of an Osaka Akaido master. Oh. They married and they had a son. And uh, it stated that during this time in Japan, Stephen Seagal was the first non-Asian to open a dojo in Japan. In Japan, that's However, amazing. That is disputed. So, so I don't so know. So he's if- basically the Sidney Poitier of first white men in Japan creating a dojo. <laughs> yes, pretty much. <laughs> now the doubts start. R.I.P. Sidney Poitier. Mm-hmm. R.I.P. The doubts start immediately, though, because I also read that people have questioned whether he owned one or whether he just worked for his wife's father. (laughs) (laughs) Right. And everything he says, every claim he makes is questionable, basically, starting right here. Yeah, I almost feel a bit of succession is going on right now with uh, Steven Seagal's Japanese aspirations. (laughs) Spoiler alert, I'm only halfway through the third season. Um, Okay. No, but it's funny because when you see his characters, they're it's almost like Frank D'Angelo. Like they're so smug and like, I'm incredibly wise, actually. Like you could see Steven in real life just making up that he's the first white man to open a dojo in For Japan. sure. Yeah. Um We've all seen those videos online of him doing demonstrations of his Aikido, etc., where people yeah. are basically getting pretty near him. And then flipping on their ass <laughs> without <laughs> so him doing too like, much. His, yeah, his, he's literally as wide as the Marvel Comics depiction of Kingpin now <laughs> in real life. And his hair is so black. Yeah, Like the youngest yeah. man in the world doesn't have hair as black as Steven Seagal's present day hair. <laughs> yeah, that's why if you get too close to him, you just you start flipping because the you hair is so flipping. powerful. Yeah, his yeah. Ha- black hair and ponytail... He has black ponytailed hair and dark shades look like a Lego thing that you put on a Lego character. <laughs> like it comes, you could take it yes. on and off on its own. He, you know what? He should have done touch of uh, touch of gray or whatever that thing is called. <laughs> yeah. Anyway. Um, so look, we're making fun of Seagal. He's we're a having good fun guy. with him, but Hey, credit where credit's due. He, he was good at martial arts at a time. He actually achieved the ranking of seventh Dan, in the in, in Akaido in Japan. So I don't know what that means to be seventh Dan, but he okay. achieved it. So kudos. Well, good for him. You know, we won't make fun of him for that. We won't. Um, <clears throat> so Seagal's been in Japan. You know, he's he's working, I guess, probably for his father-in-law at a dojo there. 
and he decides to move back to the U.S. Um, I I assume he must have gotten divorced uh, at this point. I don't know. But uh, he moves back to the U.S. with one of his senior students to open a dojo in Hollywood. Whoa. Um, which is kind of like, I don't know. There's something funny about being like, why don't I move to Hollywood and open a dojo? Yeah. You know, every year, thousands of people do the same thing. <laughs> Yeah, it's so true. Um, he was the first white man to move back from Japan to Hollywood and open a dojo. <laughs> um, so in uh, in his dojo there in Hollywood, he starts instructing like wealthy Hollywood types how to do martial arts. And eventually he caught the attention of a certain Hollywood power broker named Michael Ovitz. Oh, had you heard of him before? I've heard of him, but I don't know what he did. He's a major agent or producer, right? Okay. Michael Ovitz. So Ovitz, basically, you know, he couldn't get enough of Seagal. He 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 basically thought this guy, this black-haired, uh, charismatic dojo owner, has got to get into action movies. And uh, this was in the '80s. The action movie genre was really blowing up. And um, he got Seagal into the movies. And awesome. uh, Seagal's, yeah, which is kind of amazing. I wish someone did that to me. If, you so know. did Michael Ovitz like uh, audit a, an Aikido class or does some, did an actor he knew tell him like there's I this amazing find that guy? Info. I really wonder right. as well. Like was he literally <laughs> his teacher or was, the just, was there just buzz around Hollywood that you got right. to meet this Aikido teacher? So Ovitz mm-hmm. founded CAA, the CAA talent agency, okay, and and then was the uh, president of Disney. Oh wow! Okay, so we're talking. You know, he had the power to introduce Steven Seagal to the big power players: Goofy, Donald <laughs> Duck, <laughs> Minnie. You know, yeah. But Seagal must. I, I didn't read anything about this, but you don't move to Hollywood if you don't want right. to get into acting, like. Why else would you? I mean, come on. He must have had that aspiration. I read that before he moved to Hollywood, he very briefly opened a dojo in, I want to say, New Mexico. Hmm. And that didn't take or whatever. So I don't know. Well, in keeping with the theme of like the topic of evil men, anybody moving to Hollywood to with desires to become an actor already has a bit of evil behind them. Yeah. Yeah. True. So there you go. So, um... (laughs) Eventually, Seagal stars in his first movie. It's called Above the Law. Yeah. And uh, action fans loved it. Even got some good critical reviews. So that so, was a big hit, right? Above yes, the Law? Yes, I believe like, so. Right. Yeah. So, so now, can I just say, please. For my, me and my friends when we were kids, we did watch every... So up until basically under siege, mm-hmm. like Above the Law, Hard to Kill, Marked for Death... Out for Justice, uh, yeah. Mark yep. for Death and Out for Justice especially came out peak time for me yep. as a kid and my friends. Under Siege was the, was like his biggest production one. I think to that was date. the peak of the peak of Steven Seagal. Because Tommy like, Lee Jones career. is in it, Gary Busey, and also uh, Erica Elniak, who was a babe at the time. Yes, she comes um, out of that cake. Yeah. So and then yeah. and then on Deadly Ground came out a couple years after that, and it was like. Should we see this Steven Seagal movie? And that's when it started getting ridiculous, I think. But th- that was first, Above the Law, Hard to Kill, Marked for Death, Out for Justice, Under Siege. Those movies were like, me and my friends saw all of them. Me too. <clears throat> and and you know honestly, what? I feel bad because 
I haven't thought about him that much in all those years, almost 30 years, except for when like memes about him would come up online. Um, so I can't remember those movies that much, but we did obsess about them at the time. Yeah. But they were big. They were huge. He they was were huge. He was going head to head with John Claude Van Damme, and sometimes mm-hmm. he would pull in the lead. There was no doubt about it. Yeah. yeah. Would you put Arnold? I guess Arnold was kind of in a different no, category. No. Yeah. It was like John Claude Van Damme <laughs> and Steven Seagal were. They were in their own special category, huh? They, yeah, they, they were in the like yeah. stinky boys in sweatpants category. <laughs> <laughs> like their fan base was for sure like, yes, boys that were maybe not showering as much as they should yet. They, <laughs> they haven't like uh, got into some of them used deodorant. Some of them didn't use deodorant yet. You know, it was like a real stinky pubescent uh, fan base, I would say. Right. Agreed. If I'm going by me and my friends at the time. Agreed. Agreed. <laughs> well, I, you, you know, know sweatpants with no underwear underneath. <laughs> um, Doing karate kicks after the move while the movie credits are rolling. <laughs> Play fighting, tripping on a pillow, going, ow, you fuck off. You know what I mean? All that kind of stuff. I mean, he was a he was a huge his star burned brightly, very briefly during those years. Like well, 88 right. to 94, he was yeah. solid. Well, you know, Chris, and you really took the words out of my mouth because it's exactly what I was going to say. He um he was on this roll of all these movies that were all hits. Um just like you say, Hard to Kill, Mark for Death, Out for Justice. Um at the time he he got married to Kelly LeBrock who Yeah. Uh, yeah. And I think they made videos together about how to drink wine or something. <laughs> Did you ever watch oh, those? I haven't. Oh, fuck. Oh, wait. Was she the lady from Weird Science? Yes. Yeah. Oh, I, you know what? Yeah, I, so, in my head, Kelly or Brock was someone else. I can't believe Steven Seagal married her. Yeah, she's awesome. And she was in, um, right, that movie with Gene Wilder. Yes. I sent you the link to Steven Seagal's Guide to Wine. Yeah, so he made this video which passed around on YouTube around that time. It's called The Celebrity's Guide to Wine, and it's starring Steven Seagal and Kelly LeBrock. And you think it's that it would he would be aware like this is when you started realizing like Steven Seagal is not aware that he's funny. He actually thinks he's like the coolest, awesomest guy on the planet. And now he doesn't know, but everybody else knows. The audience has this revelation that he's the funniest guy ever. So, Chris, I'm just skimming through the Steven Seagal Guide to Wine link you sent me. What the hell is this for? It's just like, it looks like a softcore porn film (laughs) of Steven and Kelly LeBrock in a living room. And there's like 90 seconds of her just opening a bottle of wine and pouring it for him. And now he's tasting it. And he sits on the couch like a dawn. You know what I mean? Just like, uh, wait, here. So he even Chuck Norris has more self-awareness and has more ability to play along with his persona. Yeah, like he used to do those Conan appearances and, and yes. stuff like that. Steven Seagal isn't even as clever as Chuck Norris. No, he seems like no. he has no self-awareness or no self-awareness. He drinks the wine in the video and goes with a, like a squint and a smirk, and he goes, "You've done well," <laughs> you know. And then she's like. And then Kelly LeBrock is like on her knees in front of him while he's on the couch. Like, I hope it was as good for you as it was for me. And it's like, yeah, James, you're right. I don't know why they made this. I don't know who it's for. <laughs> like, 
I think they were just like having sex and farting in a hot tub one night. And we're like, we should make a video about everything we know about how to drink wine for everybody. Man, but that's, that's the kind of guy he is. Like that's the summary right there. You're right. Absolutely. Totally not self-aware. Absolutely. Um, <laughs> uh, here's an interesting thing about Steven Seagal during his uh, high times. You know, um, in 1991, he hosted Saturday Night Live, yes. uh, where he became infamous for being the biggest jerk to ever host the show, according to Lauren Michaels. Uh, apparently, Steven treated the cast and writers terribly and was totally humorless. <laughs> And uh, Steven Seagal refused to do a Hans and Franz sketch because in that sketch, Hans and Franz stated that they could beat up Steven Seagal. Yeah, oh, you, I yes. read that. And I was like, I guess he didn't realize that they were characters played by Kevin Nealon and Dana Carvey. <laughs> yeah, with like clearly stuffed sweatpants yeah. and sweatshirts. Yeah. Like, I think it's yeah. like, uh, yeah. Steven, we can beat you up. I'm not doing this. Yeah. He, he pulled a gun on Dana Carvey. <laughs> you can I've seen Dana up, Carvey. Dana Carvey told that story on like Conan or something like that. It's really funny. But then also I watched that episode when it came out when I was a kid. Yeah. <laughs> I remember Dude. watching it and it yeah, and it felt stiff and cold and quiet as hell. Wow, that's <laughs> I, interesting. Well the t- most uh, quiet SNL episode ever. So I found people talking about him hosting and this is dana carvey talking about what happened when steven seagal uh was supposed to do the hans and Franz sketch so he's this is dana carvey talking quote originally all of it was the characters making fun of steven uh, the comedian noted before putting on his accent to give an example like arnold is stronger than you he could flick you with his little baby finger and you would fly across the room and land in baby poop then on thursday we're just on the soundstage rehearsing it, and we go through it with the cue cards. He reads his lines, very serious. Then he just walks off, Carvey recalled. So I went up to him and said, Stephen, are you okay? And he didn't, he didn't look at me. He was looking straight forward, and he goes, I just wish Arnold was here so I could kick his fucking ass. What? <laughs> yeah. First of all, he doesn't get that Hans and Franz. The joke of them is that they're like, <laughs> sycophantic Schwarzenegger fanboys. <laughs> and second of all, he doesn't get that Schwarzenegger never <laughs> thought any of this. <laughs> Where is he? Uh, it says yeah. the sketch was rewritten to paint Seagal as the toughest action hero of all. Very funny. <laughs> oh my God. Yeah. Wouldn't that be funny if he went up to Schwarzenegger in a restaurant in Hollywood and was like, so I Bumped into your friends, Hans and Franz. <laughs> I hear you've been talking shit to them about me. Yeah, what's that all about? Your lackeys. And Schwarzenegger's like, this guy's a real dummy. <laughs> this guy's a real dummy. I have nothing to do with them. <laughs> Tim Meadows has said about the episode, quote, he didn't realize that you can't tell somebody they're stupid on Wednesday and expect them to continue writing for you on Saturday. <laughs> hey, Tim, your character, the ladies' man, he's, he's not nowhere near as big of a ladies' man as I am. And I'm, willing, I'm willing to fight you over this. <laughs> I have some notes about the character Pat. 
Should we incorporate some Aikido in, <laughs> into the character's persona? What if I break church lady's arm? <laughs> I'm the first white man to host Saturday Night Live. <laughs> beep, beep. <laughs> Beep, beep. <laughs> so his hosting of SNL is evil. Yep. He was a jerk. A man with no sense of humor being yep. rude to everybody who's trying to work for you. That's yep. not cool. Yep. So so far, he's just your kind of your classic jerk, it seems. Um, yeah, but jerks, you know, they got a bit yeah. of evil in them. Uh, now, so now we're in 1994. Um, the Blue Jays had just won back-to-back World Series. It was a heady time. Um, Kurt Cobain died. And, uh, this is when Steven, uh, Seagal, I think exactly like you said, Chris, I think this is when basically things started to turn negatively for Steven Seagal. Um, and that's when On Deadly Ground came out, which Seagal starred in and directed, which is kind of impressive. And, uh, in that movie On Deadly Ground, Michael Caine plays a corrupt oil company CEO who doesn't care at all if oil spills into the ocean or not. And oh Seagal plays an environmentalist named Forrest Taft, <laughs> who <laughs> finds out what the company is up to, and so Kane tries to have him killed. And people thought the movie was bad, really self-serving, really offensive to Native people. I, uh, we had talked about this before, Mike, on like, yeah. Lieutenant Podmas, but... So he's taken in by, there's like, he's set up because he knows the oil, he finds out the secret that the oil company is bad. (laughs) It's a a top secret thing that that their intentions are are evil. And they set him up for this rig to explode and he survives and apparently he's he's taken in by an Inuit family and uh, they, they nurse him back to health or whatever, but... The movie was so badly done that it offended both indigenous people and the oil uh, industry. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. That's the only time the indigenous people and oil industry came together. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) They stood together against the guy. And I think Michael Caine does like a very shaky American accent in this film as well, (laughs) which is also wonderful. Uh, I I vaguely remember like clips from the movie and stuff. I'm you know I'm pretty sure Stephen in that movie evokes a lot of like um, hokey, uh, you know, not accurate uh, Native American, you know, um, I guess uh, spirituality and that kind of thing that's not authentic, right? Um, and I think I remember a scene in that movie too where a guy holds a gun to Seagal. And he puts his finger in the in the gun, to, and it somehow stops the guy from shooting. Like he's almost magical, from what I remember. <laughs> well, that's classic Aikido. There's, there's an Aikido move where you get your finger in the gun barrel just right, but you got to get yeah. it just right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so after on deadly ground, it seems like things kind of started getting shitty for Sagal. He starts doing bad straight to dvd type movies he did have a bit of a renaissance in the early 2000s uh with exit wounds with dmx which was a huge hit mm-hmm. um right. and I, he also did a one with jaw rule as well it was kind of which i saw um i guess they just thought you know we've paired him with dmx let's pair him with jaw rule yeah um but so yeah, he, he came back briefly it looked like he you know he he was back on top <laughs> yes uh, yeah R.I.P. DMX. 
Absolutely. I wonder if they got yeah. along. Ooh. Um, yeah, like here's some of the movies Seagal did during that time you probably haven't heard of. Uh, Half Past Dead, The Foreigner, Out for a Kill, Straight to Video, Belly of the Beast, Straight to Video, Clementine, Out of Reach, Straight to Video, Submerge, Straight to Video, a movie called Today You Die, Straight to Video. Um, so, yeah, his movie career is kind of waning here. And at this um, point, are these movies all produced in the Balkans or like, okay. are they all backed by like the Serbian mob or Estonia well, or something? Or? Serbia does come up later, Mike. You'll be happy to know. Before but, we move yeah. on to that, uh, yeah. Dark, uh, era. Uh, uh-huh. I found a quote of DMX on working with Steven Seagal. Okay. He said, he said, he's a fucking shithead with spray on hair. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, man. That's awesome. That's really <laughs> funny. Yeah. Um, how about this? Now, in 2005, Stephen really showed the world that he's not just a martial arts master. He's not just an actor. And he's not just a director. He's also a musician. And but, he released an album called Songs from the Crystal Cave. Right. <clears throat> now... Mike and Chris, when we went to the cottage that we rented uh, back in the summer, I played for you. I don't remember if you had heard it before, but I played for you guys a song from Steven Seagal's album. Yeah, I remember. Is it the song Strut? Yes. Is that the song in question? Yes. Yes. Okay. And uh, should I look up the lyrics of Strut? And it's a duet, I believe. It's a, a duet in a sort of uh, Jamaican dance hall light kind of vibe. Yes. Uh, so, exactly. It's like a Jamaican dance hall kind of song. And with Lady uh, Saw, I think is the is the the lady. I think singer. you're right, Mike. Yeah. And here is um, the lyrics that Steven Seagal says: uh, "Girl, what you really want all night? Me want the buddy. Me make me feel nice. Boy, what?" What you really want all night? Me want the punani. C for make nice. Yeah. Now, so Wait, a few Steven things are happening the, there. Yeah. Yeah. Steven Seagal says that. Yes. So he's this fucking shithead with the spray on hair. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> he is speaking in Jamaican patois uh, in the, on this song, and we know for a fact he is a he's quite open about being a white guy. Yeah. Yes, because he's the first white guy to open a dojo. Um, he's the first yeah. white man to say the word punani on a popular hit. He may be. I definitely recommend uh, looking up a strut by Steven Seagal on Spotify if you want to hear uh, just a real banger. Um, this is kind of funny. Uh, Steven Seagal released another album the next year, and the album is called Mojo Priest. <laughs> That's the wow. worst name I've ever heard. Uh, well, you know, everybody needs to, uh, you know, chat with their uh, mojo priest every now and then. Yeah. <laughs> Try and get their the mojo reaction back. if we released a comedy album called Mojo Priest? <laughs> <laughs> I, I read some reviews of his albums on the website allmusic.com and mm. Songs from the Crystal Cave did not receive a positive review. <laughs> and one of the critiques was that it's a it's an album... That while his his guitar playing is actually better than you'd expect, that it doesn't it's inconsistent and it has like each song is in a new genre. Like there's a uh, a ballad, there'll be a Jamaican dancehall song, 
there will be a country song or like a blues number or a Buddhist spiritual number. Nice. Yeah. Honestly, you can't lose if your album's got everything. Yes. Yes. Agree. There's a good uh, mentality behind that. But also, it also has Stevie Wonder. He <laughs> collaborates on the album. Stevie Wonder plays on one of the songs a harmonica solo. How did he wangle that? Are you kidding me? He probably put Stevie Wonder's arm into some sort of lock. <laughs> You're gonna play harmonica on this album, all right, Stevie boy? Yeah. <laughs> um, so uh, let's get into um, his uh, career as a law enforcement officer. Um, and this is also late- dubious, okay. but I'll, I'll let you continue. Yeah, yeah, please, <clears throat> please uh, chime in. But in the late '80s, Stephen taught some deputies uh, at a police force in Jefferson Parish, Louisiana, martial arts, and apparently. So they say the sheriff was so impressed that he asked Seagal to join the force, <laughs> which seems weird, but okay. And so uh, he this was, was the a- first white man to join. <laughs> <laughs> this was the basis for the A&E show Steven Seagal Lawman, uh, which uh, its first episode was like the most watched series debut ever on A&E. Um, and if you remember that, it was a reality show where Steven Seagal was a policeman in Louisiana going around arresting people. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So and uh, apparently, Stephen, just, you can't just snap everybody's arm in half <laughs> before taking them to trial. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> he just breaks everybody's arm that he they pulls over. Yeah. <laughs> um, the series was suspended briefly due to a sexual trafficking lawsuit brought against Segal, which we'll get into. Oh, but was then resumed when the suit was dropped. Uh, so I guess they thought, oh, probably nothing. Your Honor, I state, I swear on my mother's grave, I didn't want the Punani. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's not what it says here. In that song. <laughs> we have audio proof of Steven Seagal saying <laughs> he wants the Punani. <laughs> <laughs> now we're making we're making light of a uh, of an awful situation, but um, yes, you know, I I uh, I can't believe he was exonerated in the in that case i know i know we'll get to his many lawsuits in a second um but i'll just say that also speaking you know of 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 him joining joining the louisiana you know police force he uh in 2011 he was sworn in at a different police force in texas (laughs) and he would patrol the mexico u.s border what is going on Him and Dan Aykroyd love pretending to be cops. I think Dan Aykroyd is also like deputized as a, a New Orleans police officer or something like that. What? I thought Dan Aykroyd was more about being like a biker. He yeah. is both. He's the duality of man. He's both an <laughs> outlaw rebel biker and a police officer. <laughs> Bizarre. I think the thing that most people might remember about, uh, is it called Lawman? Was that his show? Steven Seagal colon Lawman. So he tagged along. There was one episode where he was trying to bust a a cockfighting ring, and for some reason he showed up at the house where they suspected the cockfighting was happening in a tank, and he like what? pounded the tank into the house. He like crashed, like barged the doors down with the tank, and killed a puppy in the process. Oh no! A dog that was in the house. That's sad. Yeah, Stephen. Yeah. 
Damn, man. Maybe don't use a tank to when you could use a car or a bicycle. Yeah. Well, if that didn't uh, start, (laughs) you know, making you wonder if Steven Seagal could be an evil man, this little section will certainly uh, get uh, get you thinking that, I I think. Um, He's had uh, several lawsuits uh, levied against him uh, claiming uh, sexual assault. Or sexual harassment. Um, he had one in 95. He had one in 2017. He had one in 2018. Um, one was from an actress who claimed Seagal sexually assaulted her in a movie and then lost her job as a result. Then a Whoa. really weird one. In 2010, um, a lawsuit alleged that Steven Seagal tricked his assistants into becoming sex slaves. Whoa. Um, I know. Hell? Um, the lawsuit alleged that Seagal would trick assistants into thinking they were working for him uh, as executive assistants, but uh, he was really expecting them to cater to his sexual desires, forcing them to take illegal pills, and he would pull out a gun when they resisted. Um, now, the lawsuit uh, claimed that he kept two attendants, quote unquote, for sex wherever he went. What branch of Buddhism is this? <laughs> I know, I know. He seems like a hypocrite. Huh. Pretty horrible. So, yeah. I mean, that really is what pushes him into uh, shitty guy, uh, truly shitty guy zone. Yeah. Um, oh, here's some other sort of uh, tidbits and things that kind of make him a, a bit of a jerk. Um, Seagal has been accused of intentionally hitting stuntmen during scenes. Um, <laughs> while serving as a stunt coordinator on Out for Justice... A stuntman named Gene LaBelle allegedly got into an onset altercation with Seagal over his mistreatment of some of the film's stunt performers. After the actor claimed that uh, due to his Aikido training, he was, quote, immune to being choked unconscious, the stuntman, Gene LaBelle, offered Seagal the opportunity to prove it. LaBelle is said to have placed his arms around Seagal's neck, and once Seagal said go... Proceeded to choke him unconscious with Seagal losing control of his bowels. <laughs> I love that story. <laughs> I'm so highly trained that I can't be choked. Uh, you can't can choke me. <laughs> I, you can't choke me unconscious. I, I, because uh, of all of my high skills. The more, I, the more you try to choke me, the more. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Steven, Steven, they put smelling salts by his nose. Wake up, Steven. What stinks? <laughs> Your own fucking pants, you goddamn idiot. Oh, that's not that's not feces. That's my own inner uh that's, that's strength my uh, soul goo. <laughs> that's poison that my anus uh uh you know releases when enemies are dangerous nearby. <laughs> You see, whenever someone is choking enemies. me, yes, if you choke me, you try to choke me unconscious, I, <laughs> my head rolls back in my head and I, my ass excretes dangerous, stinky poison. <laughs> I actually won our battle, you'll find. <laughs> Don't like that stink, do you? <laughs> Imagine him that split second where the guy challenges him, like, well, prove it then, where Steven Seagal had to make the call whether he's like, 
do I back out or do I just go <laughs> along with it? <laughs> hey, Sagalites choked you unconscious. Did you or did you end up smelling something stinky? <laughs> Who really won? <laughs> <laughs> so was Jean LaBelle related to Patty LaBelle? I have no idea. It is spelled L-E-B-E-L-L, so I think that's a different oh. spelling. Yeah, she's got... Yeah, That's uh, too bad, though. Well, um, <laughs> a couple other little tidbits here. Um, in 2005, uh, Seagal Enterprises began to market an energy <laughs> drink known as Steven Seagal's Lightning Bolt that got discontinued. And he also um, marketed an aftershave called Scent of Action. If you ever shit your pants because a stuntman choked you out, you're going to need some cologne. (laughs) (laughs) Quick, spray some of my cologne on my shit. (laughs) Someone pull down my pants and pour the bottle of cologne on my ass. (laughs) I mean, pour the cologne on my poison secretion. (laughs) (laughs) My defense... Yeah, my my poison slick. <laughs> he thinks of his body as like James Bond's car. <laughs> yeah. I don't need my gadgets. penis when it gets erect, it's a missile, and when my shit comes out, it's a oil slick of poison. <laughs> um, can I just ask? Did he get in trouble for the? What happened with the? With the? Was it the prostitution trafficking or what was uh, it? I. I don't know, actually. He was accused of it. I think it might have been dropped, the really bad one. I I had seen that some of the lawsuits had been, they fell outside of the um, time limit, so they were dismissed. And Mm. I think he has a few out-of-court settlements in his past. Uh, Hmm. There's no doubt he's a fucking shitball. He is. He is. He has an extensive sword collection. <laughs> no. And, uh, <laughs> then I take it back. That's not, yeah, if that changes your mind. And at one time, he had a custom gun made for him once a month. <laughs> so he's got hundreds of custom guns. I mean, yeah, if he did it for five years, that's uh, like, what is that? Uh, five times 12, 60 yeah. guns. That's well, pretty good. Well, you know, after using a gun for a month, it gets kind of old and you want something new. Yeah. You need a, a yeah, brand like a new fresh one. Yeah. Um, I just have two two brief little sections left. Um, a couple funny Steven Seagal quotes. Okay. He says, quote, any great warrior is also a scholar, a poet, and an artist. Which can't argue with that. Can't argue with that. He also said, quote, it is a lot harder now to be a police officer than it used to be. <laughs> It's also what? It's a lot harder to be a police officer now than it used to be. Oh, I thought he would say it's easier. No, no. He, he's all not you have to do is show a police up. officer. Yeah. Um, here's another thing Steven Seagal said, quote, I was born with a serious spiritual consciousness and for many years studied different paths. So that's interesting. Wow. And uh, another last good quote. He said, quote, I am hoping that I can be known as a great writer and actor someday rather than a sex symbol. I mean, unfortunately, that's the cross he has to bear. It is. He's a sex symbol that everyone wants to have hot sex with. You he, know? Uh, yes, yeah. I know. It's 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 yeah. It's tough. Oh yeah, and last little fun quote here. He said, "I have no fear of death. More important, I don't fear life." Wow, that's amazing. It is cool. 
He doesn't fear life. <clears throat> now, um, the last thing I'll touch on is um, kind of interesting. Seagal reportedly holds citizen citizenships in three countries, the United States, Russia, any guess on the third one? It's not Japan. Canada. Is it what you what I mentioned earlier? Is yeah, it Serbia. Serbia. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. He was granted Serbian citizenship in 2016, following several visits to the country, and has been asked to teach Aikido to the Serbian <laughs> special forces. I mean, that's the goal. Every. I mean, the short-term goal when you move to Hollywood is like, can I make it in the movies? <laughs> but the long-term goal is to eventually get Serbian citizenship. <laughs> <laughs> it's true it's like that's the stepping stone you know like maybe you make it in the canadian showbiz industry then you got to do it in la then you yeah. got to get serbian citizenship yeah so good for him and does, he lives in russia full time yeah I think. so he was granted russian citizenship in 2016 mm-hmm. um and according to a russian government spokesman he's he uh quote he was asking quite insistently over a lengthy period to be granted citizenship um now, I've heard conflicting things about his relationship with Putin. Um, various media uh, has cited Seagal and Putin as friends. And Seagal has said, quote, that he'd like to consider Putin as a brother. But according to one thing I read, Putin has distanced himself from Seagal and is reported to have said, quote, I wouldn't necessarily say or sorry, his uh, his representative said, quote, I wouldn't necessarily say Putin is a huge fan, but he's definitely seen some of his movies. Oh, that's cold. Oh, that yeah, so a bit of a bro breakup there, maybe. They um, broke up harsh. Yeah. He's too toxic for Putin to even <laughs> spend Although, time with. Yeah. <laughs> In regards to Serbia, too, like they're right on the money, too. When you want, if you're a country and you want to train your army <laughs> in any kind of military combat training, the first person you go to is an actor who pretends to do that all the time. <laughs> And who is old and fat now. Yeah, old and fat. And we've actually seen his his Aikido uh, sample videos recently, right? Yeah. The one in Russia where he basically extends his arm and yeah. people run up to him and all of a sudden flip three times in the air. Yeah, it's like he, yeah. they have opposite magnets on his hand and their <laughs> body. In those recent videos of him doing Aikido demonstrations, yeah, he comes out and the audience is a little too excited to see him, to be honest. Uh, you get the impression that they were instructed to applaud wildly. Yes. But he, yeah, he enters the ring. Kind of, you get the impression he's having uh, having a hard time getting out of his seat. He looks like a guy who just got off of like a shift at the plant, like the GM plant, and he <laughs> hasn't slept, and he's maybe a little hungover, and he's just kind of like, oh... He uh, doesn't look... Yeah. He's not the picture he looks of like health. He, yeah, yeah, he looks like he should be wearing huge baggy sweatpants, <laughs> uh, a Bluetooth speaker phone in his ear, and he should be talking to anybody that will listen that is walking in and out of a 7-Eleven. <laughs> in 2014, in an interview, Seagal described Putin as, quote, one of the greatest living world leaders... And he expressed his support for the annexation of Crimea by Russia. <laughs> yeah, I saw he's a huge uh, advocate of R- Russia annexing Ukraine. He yeah, just, what an uh, odd yeah. stance. You don't often have people, impartial people, like being really for <laughs> other countries annexing each other. And it makes me feel really sad for all those Ukrainian Seagal fans out there who now have to pick between their motherland and their favorite actor, you know? Yeah. 
Being yeah, a he, fan of Russia annexing uh, Crimea, um, like, what do you say? Like, what are you excited about? Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, what are you a fan of in that instance? Right. You're 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 grilling Seagal in this instance. Like, yeah, why like, do you like this? Yeah. Like, what do you say? Are you like? It's not like saying, you know. Oh, oh I, I love, love. Yeah. Yeah, I love the idea of Russia benefiting from. It's odd. The, the trading posts in the sea or whatever that they're going to get. They're like, <laughs> like yeah, what are you a fan of? Mines or something. Well, yeah. Um, uh, Seagal did uh, say that um, Seagal depicted Ukraine in a uh, live appearance as a country controlled by fascists. So. Oh, God, but it man. sounds like he's the biggest fan of fascism on the planet. It I does. mean. He made a whole career out of pretending to be a guy who breaks people's arms before they're even arrested. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and you know what? And um, then he yeah. loves Russia. He wants to he just walks into police departments and says, "Do you need any help?" You know what I'm saying? Like <laughs> yeah. he's the most fascist person on the planet. Hey, I heard there's some dumb guys here. Want me to show them how to kick? <laughs> yeah. Want me to break your arm and then show you how to drink red wine? <laughs> uh, yeah, I know. And, you know, I don't know. Uh, I knew, uh, you know, it's not Chavez anymore in Venezuela. It's Nicolas Maduro. Maduro, yes. And I don't know much about him, Mike, but Seagal likes him. And Seagal gifted a katana sword to him. And yes. Maduro referred to Seagal as my brother. Yes. That's uh, that's heartwarming. You know, uh, unfortunately, Canada is one of the few countries in the world right now that doesn't recognize Nicolas Maduro as the leader of Venezuela. We recognize some coup guy named, uh, what's his name, Gu Juan Guaido, but oh. the real leader is Maduro, and I, I, I sleep well at night knowing that he is friends with Mr. Seagal. Brothers, yeah. in, in a way. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, in 2021, the pro-Kremlin systematic opposition party... Uh, called Just Russia Patriots for Truth announced that Seagal had received an official membership to the party. <laughs> I mean, okay. Is he living, is the unspoken thing here, sorry to cut you off, is no, he living no. in Russia for legal reasons where it's like if he re-enters America, he will immediately be arrested or like what's, what's going on? Yeah, I know. That's it. You're right. He totally sounds like a traitor on all accounts. <laughs> Yeah, it's always a little weird when people really fall in love with uh, with present day Russia and Putin. I don't get it. The uh, another um, celeb who's got a murky past who also had to leave his home country to live in Russia is Gerard Depardieu, and really? he had to leave because of tax mm. and I think sexual assault problems. Mm. So, Damn, I didn't know yeah. about sexual assault with Gerard Depardieu too. What the it, fuck? Maybe they live together as roommates, two great big guys who are sharing oh. maybe one small bathroom. Mike, and, you know. I'm seeing a Russian television sitcom, yeah. New Odd Couple, yeah. Seagal and Depardieu, and they live in a St. Petersburg two-bedroom. Steven, did you use my toothbrush? <laughs> I don't brush my teeth, bitch. Yeah. Gerard Depardieu gets his arm broken every episode. <laughs> I just healed. Ah, Zutalo! Gerard, I told you once before, don't touch my sword collection. <laughs> yeah. Hey, Gerard, Gerard Depardieu, did you touch all of my Japanese stuff? <laughs> <laughs> I'm basically the first white Japanese guy. 
Gerard, the candle is in the bathroom for a reason. After you go, light the candle. <laughs> oh, God. It's for the candle dispels all the the uh, stink from all the poison I secrete <laughs> into the toilet when I'm scared. Um, the thing I want to say is each episode does end, though, with them coming together and bonding over what? What do they both love and share uh, together? The giant love of Russia. Cara- oh, love of Russia, right. Okay, I was going to say giant carafes of red wine. <laughs> I that too. I but you're right, they where- probably get drunk on red wine and sing like uh, patriotic Russian songs. Yeah, or dance hall. Who do you think <laughs> oh, yeah. smells worse between Gerard Depardieu <laughs> and Steven Seagal? That's a tough one. Actually, you know what? Gerard might smell good because he's French and he probably <laughs> he cares know, about you know? it. Yeah. The thing probably is, is like Steven. I genuinely love like early Gerard Depardieu as an actor. Mm. Obviously, he turned into like a giant. I've heard these terrible stories. I didn't know about the sexual assault, but Steven Seagal's never been. Oh, it sucks. But yeah, yeah. at this day and age, it would be a stinky shithole where they open live. the window, boys. If you are living together, just crack crack the window. <laughs> <laughs> um, I just have one last little note. Um, in 2017, Seagal collaborated with the former chair of the Arizona Republican Party, and they wrote a self-published conspiracy thriller novel called. The Way of the Shadow Wolves, hmm. colon, The Deep State and the Hijacking of America. What a title. Are you serious? Steven Seagal goes this deep into <laughs> yes. being shitty? Yes. <laughs> and in that novel, it featured a Tohono Shadow Wolf Tracker, which I don't know. I don't know what that is, uh, working for the U.S. Immigration and Customs Enforcement to foil a plot by a, by Mexican drug cartels and the deep state to smuggle in Islamic terrorists into the United States through the U.S.-Mexico border. Mm-hmm. You know, it could happen one day and we have to be ready. We, we know the Me- Mexico is truly, uh, you know, in deep with ISIS. You know what I would do if I ever came across a terrorist... In America, I'd break their arm. <laughs> Chris, I know it's Colombia, not Mexico, but Chris, we've both watched Narcos. Imagine mm-hmm. if Pablo Escobar isn't just wheeling and dealing uh, with South American drug lords. Imagine he's got ISIS in there too. Those are the two. Those are two of the baddest guys. Yeah. That's- so it's like El Chapo and yeah. like you know Uh-oh. some sort of. I don't even know who's the head of ISIS now. You know, that's a great question. The only thing they have in common is they both like cutting people's heads off. Other than that, I don't see their business uh, plan matching up. I know that the cartels did take inspiration from beheading videos from ISIS for real to to do that kind of stuff. Wow, really? Yeah. Hmm. So, you know, it's it's like the way that uh, early rock and roll went from America to the UK and then, you know, came back, uh, changed slightly. It's, it's like that kind of thing. Okay. In terms of beheadings. Yeah. Yeah. So, like, ISIS did those beheading videos. They went to Mexico and then Mexico put their own spin right. on it. And, yeah. The Mexican invasion. Yeah. So, that is, uh, that's what I got for Steven Seagal. Um, do we want to evilometer it up? I think, first of all, 
great job, James, for, for giving us the, the dirty details on Mr. Seagal's life. And Thank uh, you. yeah. Let's pull the uh, evilometer out here. Ah! All right. Um, oh. Mike, why don't you go first? What do you give Steven Seagal? One to ten. First of all, it's my great pleasure to be to make history here. I'm the first white man to give a score on the evilometer. Um, <laughs> now, Steven Seagal, uh, it, I think if we're going to talk about his his misdeeds, it's pretty much in the area of sexual assault and yeah. uh, and that type of thing. Mm. Also, killing a puppy. Uh, yeah. And maybe uh, being physically abusive with people on set. Mm. Um, that kind of stuff seems to be his uh, why people don't like him. And so I'm going to give him an 8.5. That's fair. That's yeah. fair. Harsh, but fair, mm. Michael. Yeah. Should I go next? Mm. Um, yeah, you go next. This is a tough one because I don't want to feel like I'm going easy on Stephen because he sounds oh, horrible. Lenient Mr. James. Yeah, liberal judge over here. Um. I I think I'll give him a five just because mm. only oh, he sounds there's some stuff that sounds truly horrible, but I'm just leaving room for people who are even worse. <laughs> That's all I'm doing. So I'm giving him a five. OK, Chris. Yeah, I'm going to give him like a four because um, it's it's a it's a real conflict here because I think he is like a brain dead moron. <laughs> and, and so so you get to a point where you're like, well, how much can I blame on this person? Because they're not even aware of, you know, like how they come across to anybody. They're they're they don't they're not aware of anything. They're idiots. And uh, but then also letting an idiot walk around with power is dangerous. Mm. Um, so it's like this weird sort of thing where it's like. I don't think the evil aspect of this person, like, I don't think they're aware of it, which makes it weird. Do you know what I'm saying? He, th- I think he thinks he's like a spiritual warrior. He thinks he's a spiritual warrior hero that everyone needs. Mm. <laughs> it's that combination of being extremely stupid and extremely serious and extremely proud. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It makes sense that he would like, yeah work with like far right libertarians on a book about yeah drug dealers <laughs> hanging out and plotting plans with the deep state and etc it's just like yeah he i think the fact is like you said he was born in 52 right yeah so that means that in 70 and 72 etc and all that he was uh 20 so he was literally a kid at the ripe old age of Bruce Lee becoming like famous. He basically had a kid's mind when <laughs> Kung Fu was awesome. And I think he got stuck in that sort of like pop culture fad of America and still like lives in that fantasy to this day. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. Yeah. So yeah, you can kind of seem- see where like a moron like clicked with everything and then just like got stuck there. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. I think that's a, that sounds right to me. He's like a less fun version of the movie Jack where he's a baby's <laughs> brain in a full grown man's body. You know what I mean? Imagine yes. Jack went around the his grade three <laughs> class or whatever, breaking every kid's arm. <laughs> <laughs> 
It's just like if you watch those early movies that we listed off at the beginning, that's all he does. People yeah. try to punch him and he does this backwards arm breaking trick like over and over <laughs> and again in every seems movie. He to break a sweat. He's never stressed. Yeah. He never It's easy to break an arm. Yeah. yeah. He's just always like calm, very calm in his takedowns. Yeah. Everyone loves a perfect character who has no faults and everyone loves. That's always that's a very interesting hero. <laughs> Oh, it makes for the best action hero. It makes for the best comedians. Makes for the perfect <laughs> comedians. Yes. <laughs> Don't laugh at me. I'm cool. Well, that was great, James. Thanks. Thank you. I do. I do see now, uh, more so than I knew before, that Steven Seagal has some evilness in him. I won't be watching Hard to Break or Kill Me now for uh, maybe ever again. You know, <laughs> these classic movies. Uh, well, I'm uh, yeah, I'm excited. There's a new film coming out soon by him called General Commander Gun. <laughs> um, um, well, that guys, thanks so much for listening. And seems like we're wrapping up another great episode of Evil Men. This podcast has been brought to you by the Sonar Network. So.